Hi, welcome to the Biffa podcast, the show from the British Independent Film Awards that brings together two artists from in front of and behind the camera for a conversation about how film has shaped their lives. In this episode, writer and director Reggie Yates spoke with casting director Shaheen Baig. Reggie has been a TV and radio presence in the UK for over two decades. He's performed in classics like Grange Hill and Doctor Who, and together with Fern Cotton, he became synonymous with music on the BBC, with his work on Radio 1 and Top of the Pops. Now, having made documentaries and a number of short films, Reggie has made his directorial feature debut with Pirates, the story of three friends backed by a soundtrack of garage music in search of the New Year's party of the millennium, which has seen him nominated for the Biffa Award for Debut Screenwriter. To help assemble his perfect trio of actors, Reggie worked with casting director Shaheen Baig. Shaheen's extensive CV includes the Anton Corbin-directed Ian Curtis biopic Control, which made a star of Sam Riley, The Impossible, starring a very young Tom Holland, the Josh O'Connor breakout God's Own Country, and this year sees her nominated for three Biffa Awards for her work on Aleem Khan's After Love, Clio Barnard's Ali and Ava, and naturally, Reggie's Pirates. In this conversation, Reggie and Shaheen examine the snobbishness that can be attached to the casting process, how they try to go against the grain with their work together, and how the boys of Pirates stole the show at their own premiere. But first, they get into why it's valuable to keep things short. Shaheen Bay. Hello, how are you? Hello, Mr. Yates. I'm really good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It is um it is a bit weird talking to you through the computer as um as I've got very used to sort of being in the same room as you for very long hours uh working together, which has been amazing over the years. Well the Zoom thing just seems so formal mm. and um I think we're all a bit over Zoom, aren't we? In a lot of ways, yes. Um, yeah. But to, but there is something lovely about being in your house, wearing your pyjamas and pr- pretending to be at work, which is exactly what I mean. I can assure you I'm not wearing my pyjamas today. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> well, I'm certainly wearing trousers, so uh, you'll be glad to know. That this <laughs> Excellent. Is a- Good. Uh, now, uh, it, it's occurred to me that a lot of people may not know that you and I um, started working together a long time ago on my short films. And you've been incredibly helpful when it comes to my short. So just how much has, not necessarily just my short films, but how much have short films been a part of what it is you do over the years? Well, you know, people are often really sort of frightened to ask casting directors to do short films because I think they think you're not going to have time or, you know, often with short films, you know, they've got a tiny budget. But for me, it's all about meeting a filmmaker, whether it's the director or the writer, right at the beginning of their journey. So for me and for, you know, people that work in the office with me, that's really exciting. So I don't think you should ever be snobbish about short films because it's where you often discover. In the way that we discover actors, I'm discovering new directors and new writers. So they're really important to me. It's sort of a, it's a kind of essential training ground. And it also gives me a real sense of, who that person might be. And then when, you know, uh, your relationship moves on to sort of a feature, I've already sort of got a little bit of a sense of who you are. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of actors as well, it seems as though actors of all scale are interested in short films. As a 
place to experiment, to collaborate with new people as well. That's the thing I've always found really fascinating about uh, actors who are really invested in the craft. They almost relish the opportunity to do short film, right? Yeah, because they, you know, I think it's, you know, I think most, you know, really good actors, they want to be looked after, you know, they want to be treated properly. But they love experimenting, you know, they love doing stuff where there's sort of no rules. So I think, again, you're sort of going back to the material and the team of people. If you're putting together a really good team of people and the material is great, then, and an actor's available, then equally they're not going to be snobbish about it either. So, um, you know, the best short films are when everything comes together and everyone's got the same vision. You know, and sometimes that doesn't happen on short films because everybody's brand new pretty much at what they're doing. But when everyone's got the same vision, there can be great things. And they are essentially, I suppose, a a very sophisticated calling card. Absolutely. And in my case, I was brand new in the same way a lot of the actors were uh, in the short films that we worked together on. So uh, Shelter was a short film that we worked together on. Yeah. We had the great and the good of young British talent come through the door. We ended up casting Tossing Cole, who is an incredible actor and has gone on to do some massive, massive things. And... He's got a lot coming out in 22. For you, when it when it comes to that pack of fresh faces that you've continuously put in front of me every time we've collaborated on something, what is it that... All right, I'm trying to find a nice way to ask, how are you so good at finding so many good people that no one else has seen before? Like, what are you doing? Are you stalking these kids? But, are you on Instagram no, the, every day? Like, what are you doing? But the thing is, people will have seen them. You know, we, we all, you know, casting directors have... You know, we all have quite similar traits in the, you know, in terms of the job that we do, but we all do it slightly differently. And I think for me, in terms of, you know, the discovery element is one of the most exciting things about my job. I love it you know, because I genuinely believe an audience don't want to see the same people every single time they watch a film or they watch some telly. And I think you just have to know and, and sort of, you know, it's relentless. You have to just keep going. You have to keep looking left of centre and 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 not be a snob. You know, I yeah. think uh, there there's a lot of snobbery. There can be a lot of snobbery in this industry. And you have to actually not uh, look at people's credits and just go, do you know what, I'm going to take a chance on this person because they interest me. There's something about them that interests me. It doesn't really matter that they haven't done this, this and this. I don't care. Mm. And I think... You know, that attitude is is really important. It's like actors that, you know, people are really snobbish about actors that have done soap operas or whatever. It's just silly. An actor, a good actor's a good actor. Yeah. And you should be able to put them in many different types of things and it works. Mm. So I think I'm just really interested in people and I'm really interested in young people from every different walk of life yeah so I suppose that kind of that passion is is we you know it's filtered through into my office and we work on a lot of projects that that somehow involves doing a massive search that could actually be said for our relationship because you took a chance on me you know I I came into that room to to work on a short film with yourself and your team off the back of years decades being in front of camera as opposed to being behind it you know being yeah. um being someone who 
was known for entertainment, who was known as an actor, who was known for documentaries, and all these different things I've done over my career. Suddenly, I'm, I'm in your office with you, uh, pretending to be a director. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm eternally thankful that you invested your time and energy into me because those short films led to us collaborating again on my first feature film. And I remember us saying, do you know what, let's, let's make a decision now. We're either going to go for people with profile or we're not. Yeah. We're going to go for people without. And it was the best decision ever. But um, to kind of, you know, help this conversation and help people understand a bit more about your process, where were you coming from when you said, let's go for Fresh Faces? And why were you so adamant that was the right way to go? Um, well, I mean, you know, most films, you know, it's really hard. A, it's really hard to get a film made, really hard to get a film financed. So often with, I'd say, 90% of films that come to me, there is some element of we need to attach an actor that's going to help greenlight this film, that's going to help sort of finance this film. So that generally is the rule, mm. you know, when you're making films. Whereas, you know, look, you know looking at Pirates, the, those three roles and their sort of relationship with one another, was it was so crucial. And I, I suppose my concern was if we could, were only focusing on stars or actors with profile, then it would limit you. It would limit you on the people that we'd be able to see. Right. It would limit you on the availabilities of people uh, who would be available to make the film. But also it just felt like a, a really perfect opportunity to find three young new actors and they be part of, you know, I think, I, I do believe an audience love to discover mm. talent. Yeah. Um and be part and feel like they're part of that process. And this just felt like a really great opportunity to do that. And I also knew and I had, you know, a really strong instinct that there would be some fantastic actors out there that maybe had done one or two things, maybe not any film before, maybe they'd done a play. But I just had an instinct about that and actually that you would be more excited about them than sort of the guys that you knew that you had a sense of. For sure. Well, there was a moment during the chemistry reads when um, we got through the recalls and we finally started pulling that short list together. And um, we were mixing and matching different lads and pulling them together yeah. as our final three. And um, there was a moment when the three that we ended up actually going with were just really physical with each other and really close. And I think it was Elliot who yeah. put his arms around the other boys. Yeah. There was something really intimate and friendly and, I don't know, unashamed about it. Yeah, but also I think what was really clear when we saw those three guys together is that they made they, they created a safe space for one another. Right. And they very, very quickly did that. Mm. And I think that was essential to the chemistry in the room because I think they, you know, of course, every, you know... Auditions are weird things. You are sort of competing with other actors. It's not necessarily a healthy environment. So it's down to the, you know, the casting director to make that as safe a space as it can be. And I think what was really lovely with those guys is that they just, no one was trying to show off. No one was trying to outdo someone else. They just felt like they were genuinely... Yeah enjoying themselves and generous because and, and yeah and generous and I think that was what was lovely when we watched the material back from the auditions they were having a really good time yeah when I watch your film that's what I see I see three young actors 
who are really enjoying what they're doing. And that's a joy. Yeah, you, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. All right, uh, moving on from, from the casting process of Pirates, um, I realised that I only know so much about Shaheen away from the office. I don't know masses. <laughs> so um, I, I'm keen yeah. to know a bit more about your history with film. Where where did you find yourself watching cinema and falling in love with cinema? Was there a particular theatre you used to go to all the time? Yeah, well, when we were little, I grew up in Birmingham. So, well, we didn't go to the cinema a lot. It's expensive. So we went on special occasions. So I think the first film I saw in the cinema was The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, man. I remember queuing up. My brother <laughs> was like a massive Star Wars fan, mm. so we had to go. And I remember queuing up outside Birmingham Odeon right round the corner. The queue went all the way round awesome. the corner to see it, which I slightly resented at the time, <laughs> but, you know, it was an experience. Um, and then I suppose my the sort of two cinemas that have really... The first cinema that really impacted on me, in Birmingham there was a cinema called The Triangle, which was part of Aston University. <laughs> it was on the campus of Aston University, and it was a proper art house cinema. Nice. And I was probably one of the youngest people there and I started going there when I was like 15 14 15 and I thought it was really cool but I saw some fantastic stuff there I saw the unbearable lightness of being I saw loads of French cinema it I it was just it was a proper education yeah and I absolutely that cinema holds a very special place in my heart and then I suppose my local cinema now which is the Duke of York's in Brighton which I think is the oldest cinema in the country oh wow I could be wrong no way I think it is. And I just love that cinema. It's five minute walk from my house. The people that work there really care about film. Mm. They have great, you know, they have great local festival, Cine City, which takes some of the stuff from the London Film Festival. It's just a really great cinema. Mm. And so those are probably sort of the, the beginning of, of my film journey. And then where I'm currently at is the Duke of York's, but I um, I love those two cinemas. Yeah, I, I love the fact that there are lots of new modern cinemas popping up in you know on the the basement and ground floor of these new story like yeah. massive developments are going up. I think it's great that there is plush screens uh, across the major cities in the UK, but there there's a magic to some of those old screening rooms. There's a magic to some of those old cinemas, and we really lucked out with the um, the premiere of Pirates with it being shown in. In Ritzy, you the know. The premiere. I think it was an event. <laughs> it was more than a premiere. It was an event. It was a special night, wasn't it? It was really, really <laughs> special. Um, we were in screen one at uh, Brixton Ritzy, which has such so a history beautiful. in South London. Yeah, and that room with its beautiful burgundy paintwork and its gorgeous sort of ornate cornicing and all of that, it, it was it was a real special moment uh, for myself and for the boys because it felt like we were really in a cinema. You know, we weren't in a basement with a flashy screen. It was a cinema. It was a theatre. And I actually, the first date I ever went, and I said this on the night, the first date I ever had was in that room. <laughs> I was watching Blair Witch with a, a girl that never became my girlfriend. I mean, that is not a date film, movie, okay? <laughs> so that's that's where you went wrong, number one, on that date. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably why it didn't last forever. But what are you going to do? Um, I don't know if you if you know many North London cinemas, but one of the ones that really stands out for me is Screen on the Green. Do you know that cinema in Islington? Oh, Screen on the Green is a classic, but... The screen on the green, when I, I moved to London when I was, like, just 18. Right. And so it took me a while to discover the screen on the green because that was quite classy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I would go to, like, the... I would go to the... Is it the Phoenix in Finchley? Yeah. 
in East Finchley, I'd go there. Muswell Hill, Odeon. Holloway Odeon, that was I'd a big go one to for Holloway Odeon. I mean, that's really fancy now. Yeah. That used to be like your feet would stick to the carpet. Yeah. And then the Prince Charles. When the Prince yeah. Charles came, I was like, this is incredible. But the screen on the green was like a really classy cinema in my, back then. Yeah. And... Um, but that was like when you when you started going to the screen on the green, you were like a bit more of a grown up. Like you go and see like a film with subtitles. Well, that was exactly <laughs> the place that I started going to when I thought I was a grown up. And the first film that I saw there as a grown up, quote unquote, definitely didn't have subtitles. It was Lockstock. I remember being a teenager with my pal, my best mate at the time, Danny, going to see Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels on a Friday night in Screen on the Green, and the two of us looking around and seeing everyone with beers in the cinema and going, "What is going on?" Where are we? <laughs> yeah. What is this? What is this posh behaviour? This is amazing. <laughs> the Odeon in Parkway in Camden used to be, it's been, again, it's been done out, but the original Odeon in yeah. Parkway, that was always a riot. People were always drunk in the cinema. Mm. It, was, um, it, it, was, it was definitely an eye-opening experience in people getting increasingly tipsy as the film went on and making it a bit oh more God, sort of asleep. rowdy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the Scala in King's Cross, that was also an incredible cinema that I used to go to. And that felt like going to a nightclub. It was amazing. Well, it is a nightclub now. I've never been to the Scala yes. as a cinema. I've only ever been to it as a Oh, nightclub. it was a gr wow. great. It's amazing. They do all-nighters. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if, if we've, um, as we've sort of covered this idea of, uh, of cinemas that really influenced you, what would you say the films were? What were the films that really made you excited about cinema? Gosh. Um, well, when I was about sort of 12, I think probably 11 or 12, we always used to watch films on telly and it would be like James Bond on a Saturday afternoon sort of, te you know, films. But then when I got a little bit older, Movie Drome yeah. was like a season on BBC Two. Yeah, amazing. And I think Alex Cox used to present it. And so my mom would always, me and my sister generally would stay up with my mom and we'd watch stuff on Movie Drome. And that, I would say, was really... That's really important part of my sort of film journey because that's where I saw films from all over the world, all kinds of filmmakers. But I think the first film that I saw that really blew my mind was The Deer Hunter, which is, was one of my mom's favourite films. Mm. And she'd always want to watch it. And it's like a really long film. And a really dark film at the time. <laughs> it's like, and I remember just watching thinking, this film is so long, but I actually can't stop watching it. Mm. And I remember thinking the actors were just extraordinary. And really, it sort of really stayed with me. And even now, if it's on the telly, I probably won't sit and watch all three hours of it, but I will definitely sit on the end of the sofa and watch a good hour of it because I can't you can't I couldn't take my eyes off it yeah so I, I'd say that was probably the film that really struck me I think as being quite extraordinary and a bit different to maybe you know some of the Thunderball or hmm. you know Roger Moore is James Bond or those sorts of films that I'd seen yeah I guess yeah yeah same for me I think uh, I mean I've spoken about the film I'm about to talk about at great length, so I won't bore anyone with it again. But Lehen did that for me in a lot of ways. It was a film that was more than a film to little 14-year-old me. You know, it was, it was in another language, it was black and white, but it felt modern, it felt current, it felt cutting edge, it felt, it felt as though it had an attitude. And I'd never really experienced yeah. a movie that felt that close, but at the same time, weirdly, was so far away. And the same thing would do the right thing, because it felt... Like it had the energy of the world that I know, but it at the same time felt completely alien. 
And just the way that Spike moved the camera was just mind-blowing to me. Even having the voiceover of Samuel L. Jackson, the radio DJ throughout, and the dance sequences. I mean, you know, in a weird way, maybe without even realising, the way that we start Pirates with that massive dark sequence yeah. is possibly influenced by the opening to do the right thing with the Rosie Perez but dance that sequence. film opens with an explosion, in a way. It's, it, the energy's off the charts. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible film. Both films, actually, have, have got a really... They're sort of slightly like adrenaline fueled watching them because also, first of all, with Len, it feels like you're seeing young men in a way you haven't before. Right. In cinema. And that's... It was really... Yeah, I remember the first time I saw that. It was like... It was thrilling. Yeah. So, yeah, both films have got very distinct energies. What was the, uh, what was the first project that you cast yourself because obviously you've worked your way up through the ranks and you've worked with other people but what was the first film that you yourself cast gosh well the first film I but I was I was in a, with a trio of two other casting directors so the first sort of film I did in my own right was Peter Pan no way it was, was PJ Hogan's Peter Pan but I did that with two American casting directors and then I suppose I'm trying to think the first film that I actually I suppose I had a year where I did Control, um, which was Anton Corbin's film, and Brick Lane, Sarah Gavin's film. And I suppose that was probably the first year where I felt like I was really fully formed casting director in my own right. And I I sort of went, okay, this is now me doing it Mm. for myself. So I'd done a couple of films before that, probably, you know, I think I'd done it with other casting directors sort of in other countries but I'd say those films were probably the ones that I did on my own. Yeah. What's your proudest casting? And I know that that's a really difficult question to answer, but I think... Yeah. And I don't imagine anyone would take offence to you saying one performance over another, but, you know, there are castings that maybe in the room have been debated, because we've certainly had those debates. You know, when we were looking at the love interest, particularly in Pirates, there were lots of different ways that we could go, and we had some really strong candidates, but we were debating what message we wanted to right send. Right until the end. Right yeah. until the end. So um, in terms of uh, a casting that you maybe even thought, like fought, fought for, it's easy for you to say, a casting that you fought <laughs> for uh, or a casting that maybe the director wasn't as into and in the end was really thankful for, maybe you can share one of those. But, you know, that's a really, it's a really difficult one because I think, you know, often it can happen sometimes when, you know, you see someone for a part and I really love someone, but the director likes someone different. And, you know, in my mind, you've got to collaborate. You've got to find a way through it. Mm. And ultimately, I'm not directing the actor on set. You are. Mm. So I will always trust the instinct of the director. You know, we work together, we debate it. But ultimately, if you go for the other actor, I trust you're going to get them to where you need to get them to. So I never kind of finish a job and be like really grumpy that I didn't Mm. get my choice because it doesn't work like that because it's a collaboration. I mean, in terms of a favourite, it's really difficult because I suppose on a lot of films, I've cast people who have, it's maybe been their first job. So Sam Riley, that was his first film role in Control. Juno Temple in Notes on a Scandal. Uh, Florence Pugh in Lady, in actually in The Falling, that was her first film that I cast her from an open call and then Lady Macbeth so it's sort of going on a journey with these young actors and I suppose they're all special to me yeah you know so I, I don't think I have a sort of standout 
favourite. For sure. But I love those ones where it's like their first job and then they've gone on and mm. done lots of brilliant things. George Mackay was in Peter Pan. When amazing. He was 10. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Bring it back to Pirates for a second. What was it like for you watching the boys on the big screen? Because that wasn't the first time that you've seen it, but it felt different in that room. It felt bigger. It felt completely night. different. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was, I think I was, also, I knew they had their families with them. So that's a big deal. You had your family with you. That's a big deal. So I think, I mean, you know, in a way, I watched the film fresh because when the first time I watch a film that I've worked on, I'm just watching the detail. I'm looking at the detail and I'm overthinking things. And then the second, third time I can watch it like a, you know, like a paying customer. Mm. So I was just so excited for them and for you. It felt like a really important moment for you all. It felt like you were all kind of moved by the love in the room because there was a huge amount of love in the room. And I was really proud. I was really proud to be part of the gang because... It felt like, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely immediate. The film is joyful. They're joyful. And I think that is a film that I would happily take my teenage daughter to see because I think the message is a really positive one. And there's no issue. There's no issues. It's just about friendship, love. You mess up along the way a bit. You put it right. Loyalty, respect. And that's a really, yeah, I think that's a really positive message. So... I felt that in the room and actually then going on to the party and everybody was happy. Everyone came out of that buzzing. And the best thing was it came out of the, with Johnny works with me in my office, we came out the premiere and there were two young guys in front of us and one guy turned to, I think I texted you, one guy yeah. turned to the other one and said, I want to see that again immediately. <laughs> and I was like, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That That's that's the best. That was, you know, that's the best. That's all you can hope for. Yeah. The only chink in the armour of the evening for me was the fact that we all looked like a boy band when we were still on stage together. <laughs> because for some reason, we were all wearing double-breasted suits and it was either black or navy and we looked like we'd been put together by one stylist. <laughs> well, beforehand, we were like, will you dress in character? <laughs> will you be smart? And then I, I think we saw you from a distance like Reggie Smart. Like, he's proper smart. So I thought maybe the lads will be in character. And then they were like proper smart. I was yeah. like, OK, they're taking it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> OK, let's bring it back to cinema for a second. Um, what would you say your most sort of rocking moments were or like moving moments were in cinema? And did that play a part in your decision to be involved in the, in the role that you've chosen? I think I've had really kind of larky moments in cinemas. I've had... Uh, I've... I've fallen asleep in cinemas. <laughs> yeah. I've, I mean, I'm just trying to think. A couple, a few years ago, I took the piano is one of my favourite films, right. and a few years ago, I really wanted my office to see it on the big screen. So I took them to the Barbican, and uh, there was a live orchestra oh my God, playing wow. the score, wow. and I found that incredibly moving for I think a number of reasons. A because it's an extraordinary film and the score is extraordinary. To, to see it in that way was incredible, but also to share it with my office and my team. And, you know, I love cinema. I'm an anorak about it. it it's really important to me. Mm. And I want to share it with the people who I'm spending a huge amount of my time with. And also for some people who are quite new into the industry who maybe don't have this kind of knowledge of film. And that felt like a really special moment. Mm. Yeah. 
Honestly, I, I can't think of any one moment that has rocked me, but I just remember being uh, a kid and being moved to tears by, you're going to laugh at this, The Five Heartbeats. Do you remember that movie? It was like a, re- <laughs> a really terrible American uh, drama about, uh, it's sort of like a, a version of The Temptations, I think. It's like supposed to be Incredible. The Temptations, but not quite. I'm um, going to look it up. The Five Heartbeats, you should check it out. It's got that guy, Leon. Do you remember that actor who just had one name, Leon? And he was the he was the Jesus character in the Like a Virgin video for Madonna, the really handsome. Oh yeah, one. I remember him. Now you remember oh, yeah. him. <laughs> you bloody do. Um, but yeah, Leon was in it, uh, and a couple of other guys. Oh god, I'm, I'm going blank on their names. But I remember being like 11 years old or something like that, and watching this film, and the dramatic beats just really made me cry. And I was like, why is this film making me cry? Why is it making me so emotional? And the idea of being moved by something wasn't something that I connected to film up until that point. And I mean, I was really young and I was watching this thing alone and film had been just like noise in the background or something to distract me or something to escape into up until yeah. that point because I wasn't watching films that really, you know, hit me in the heart. And the minute that I watched something that did it in the most obvious and basic way, I was in tears. I was a blubbering mess. Cut to this week and I was sat in Ghostbusters Afterlife crying again. <laughs> <laughs> But it's amazing, though, when that happens, because it's like E.T., E.T., I can watch it at any point and I will absolutely sob. But then the flip side to that, I remember first watching um, Blazing Saddles. Oh, right, yeah. And just, I mean, crying with laughing. I mean, hysterical laughing. Mm. So it's like, and just thinking, oh, my God, I've... That was like a workout. Yeah. But it's like a, it's like another muscle that you're using, but it's still, you know, and I love comedies. So it's like a really, I love it when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. All right, look, I think there is something that we could definitely deliver for the people listening to this, and that is practical advice. I think given that I'm so early in my journey, everything that I'm experiencing is super fresh in my mind in terms of the advice that I'd share <laughs> when it comes to my journey. But I'd love to hear from you what your advice would be for anybody that not just wants to get into film, but is interested in the lane that you so so clearly dominate here in the UK. <laughs> so what would your advice be to people who are interested in casting? I think that, you know, really, it's watch as much as you can possibly watch, because I think that's the thing that's going to slightly set you apart, is, is really watch as much film as you can, go back as far as you can, watch all different types of filmmakers, all different types of actors, go to the theatre if you can, look out for all the deals to get cheap tickets because it's really expensive. You know, I never went to the theatre. I didn't go to the theatre until I came to London. Right. You know, I, I, you know, I only watched, I only discovered actors through film and television. Mm. And, and also, you know, if, if there's people that you admire, write to them. You know, if you think casting might be something you want to do, then write to casting directors that whose work you like and ask their advice. Ask if you can maybe have a Zoom with them or a cup of tea with them or something, because that's the only way we make the industry more open yeah. is by helping each other. That's how we do it, because otherwise it's really hard to get in yeah. to the industry. And I wish that I had... You know, I wish, I wish I'd been able to do that, but I didn't, you know. So I, that's what I'd say. But also watch as much as you can, because I think that's really important. Yeah, and I guess my practical advice for any soon-to-be directors watching would be that I think make stuff is the key to actually 
becoming any good at this thing, be that something on your phone or a short film that you pull a little crew together to make. I think you have to make things because I've learned so much from mistakes. And I've learned so much from getting stuff yeah. wrong. And um, even something as simple as working with actors, you know, I always thought that I had an upper hand and technically I do as a former actor myself when it comes to working with actors and talking about performance and motivation, etc. But you don't really get to flex and work that muscle without doing it. So in making short films, I feel as though I, I had the perfect film school and prep ahead of making my first feature. And there were points where I thought to myself, geez, how much longer have I got on this set? Because it's only a matter of time that I'm going to crumble and break. Surely it's going to happen sooner <laughs> or later. And, and it didn't happen. And that was because of the support of my producers and my crew, but also because I had some experience. So I think it's um, it's an undervalued element of, of filmmaking. You know, there's so many people that want to make films that are only writing features, which is great, but write shorts too and, you know, sharpen your iron there. Yeah, but also so many people now are really tech savvy. You know, you've got your phone, you've got your laptop, you've got your iPad. So just play around with it mm. and, and make stuff, create stuff, because all this stuff is so much more accessible now. Yeah. So definitely people make your own work. That's how you learn, because you can mess up in private. Absolutely, and that's the best way to mess up when no one can see it. We should talk about what we learned from each other, which is very easy for me because, <laughs> because you're a dog. <laughs> so I'm going to take this one and say that I learned so much from Ms. Baig and the team. Um, and one of the things that I loved was just how great you were at, and are at delegating. You, know, um, you mentioned Johnny. Uh, Michelle, yeah. the guys that yeah. I spent a lot of time with from your team, in the moments when you were in the room, it was amazing because, you know, there's this wealth of experience and guidance and fun and lightness that comes in the way that you do things. But also in the moments when you weren't able to be in the room, your team followed in the same footsteps and did things in a similar way. And that was just an awesome thing to sort of see. And certainly on set on Pirates, that was the first time that I really firsthand experienced what it was what it was like to run a crew, like a, a real crew. And the tone that I set on the first day, thankfully continued and allowed us to actually have fun, but get the work done and also understand what it was we were trying to achieve. And we were all on the same page and everyone was on message because of the collaborative spirit of the production. So that was just some of the things that I learned from you. And I'm not going to expect you to say you learned anything from me. Because no, what, well, what that's, a very, do I know? <laughs> that's just a very, started. very lovely thing to say. But, you know, what you just said about setting the tone, every single session we did together, you were absolutely 150% focused and had absolute clarity about what you were doing. And that was amazing to me because you have, you're doing so many different things. You're an extremely busy person. And yet you would come in, you would, and you would make it a really safe, happy space. And you made all the, the mostly young actors that we saw. Yeah. Um, and some of which were a little bit nervous to be in an audition room with you. I mean, that's the, you know, the truth of it. But actually, you made it a really lovely space for those actors to play. And we had, you know, th those sessions were a joy because we had a laugh. We had a good time. Mm. We got the job done. And you treated everybody exactly the same with the same amount of respect. And you let actors experiment with stuff. Mm. And we played around with things. And that, you know, 
there are directors a lot, lot more experienced who don't, who are a bit frightened of that, you know? And I think the fact that you have, maybe the fact that you, you, you were an actor is, was a, you know, you understood how they would be feeling in the room. And so those sessions were never difficult. They were never a chore. It was always a joy. And we always actually left those sessions kind of buzzing. Yeah. Because yeah. we'd see like really good people. Someone would throw something new in the room and, you know, it was the sort of journey was sort of progression was really clear. Mm. And that's because you made that space feel uh, like a really good, positive, safe space to be in. So that's what, you know, you absolutely did that. That's very kind. All right. Well, just to close things out, because I, I think we're, um, we're fast running out of time. I'd love you to just touch <laughs> on what it was that you saw in these young men who we ended up casting in Pirates when they, um, when they walked in the room, because they did have something special. But from your perspective, what was it that they showed and what is it that, you know, the young actors listening to this might want to think about ahead of walking into the room when they're trying to land that role? I think they were all, they really did their homework. They learnt their script inside out, back to front. Uh, they were very willing and open to maybe throw what the ideas they had in their head out the window and just try new stuff. And they they were all sort of slightly forensic about it in a way, in different ways. But they were also very, very... Um, they were unafraid to sort of show their emotions, whether that was kind of a bit of sensitivity or whether it was humour or whether it was sort of, you know, can we throw ourselves on each other and lark about? Whatever it was, they were very open to that mm. and they weren't precious about it They and they didn't bring an ego in the room. You know, we were, we were you know, the final stage... We were workshopping actors with, you know, we were mixing actors around. And that's difficult because you know that there's three other actors outside the room going for the same part. But they were incredibly generous with each other. They listened to you. They absolutely listened to, to, to your advice. And that's it, really. They, you know, they came in the room open. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd already done the homework so that they knew that they could they could play around with stuff. And I think that's sort of essential. Yeah, for sure. When, because if you don't know the words, I mean, literally know the words, that's all you're thinking about. That's all you can focus on. Whereas if you know it, you can sort of throw it away and play. And, that, and they trusted the process and they enjoyed it. So I think even if at, at the end of that day, at the end of that long day, they hadn't have got the roles... They'd have been gutted, but I think they would have gone, do you know what? I still had a really good time. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm so glad that we've had an opportunity to have this chat because you're <laughs> so busy. You're working on a thousand films <laughs> and I'm running around from pillar to post trying to make sure that everyone goes to see this movie when it comes out. So please go and see it, whoever you are listening. Yeah, I hope lots of people see it. I'm going to take my daughter to see it. That's great. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Shane. <laughs> and um, I really loved this. It's this was great. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Biffa podcast. If you enjoyed hearing about Shaheen's favourite cinemas from her past and present, make sure you check back in our feed to hear Reggie look back on his formative cinema experiences in episode five of the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and make sure you get our next episode straight away. And just in case you've missed any, check back in our feed to find episodes with Riz Ahmed, Yann Demange, Prano Bailey Bond. And if you want to hear even more about casting, make sure you listen to our episode with the Last Tree and County Lines casting director, Aisha Bywaters too. Thanks for listening.
The Biffa Podcast is a Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. The show is hosted by me, Jake Cunningham. I'm also one of the producers alongside Ellie Aitken and Harold McShiel. The show is edited by James Payne.